to the God Coffee and Resilience Podcast, where you can get your weekly dose of confidence, motivation, and inspiration in the midst of adversity. In every segment, we will discuss faith, life's obstacles that try to get in our way, and how we can maintain our resilience with God and a whole lot of coffee. I am Reese, your host. Grab a mug of your choice and come on in. Welcome back to God Coffee and Resilience Podcast with your host, Reese. And today I have a very special person here on this podcast that me and her have been communicating through email for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> her name is Miss Julia Washington, and she is here to share her story with us today. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> Hi. Thank you for having me. I've been waiting on this interview because I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to your story, but also a lot of people don't talk about the struggles of um, being a single mom and the struggles mm-hmm. of some of the things that you go through and how mentally taxing it could be. Everybody's just like, oh, I'm a single mom. I'm strong. I got it um, in the bag and I don't need any help. And I mean, everybody needs help every now and then. My mom was a single mom, mm-hmm. so this hits home for me. Yes, so thank yeah. you for coming on today. <laughs> I'm excited. To, I'm excited to talk about all the things and share my story. <laughs> yes, and uh, before we got on, we were talking about California and Texas. You guys know I just recently relocated to Texas. I think I've only been here four months now. So I'm a newbie. Um, I came from Virginia and then from Virginia, I came from South Carolina. So I've been a little bit of everywhere. (laughs) Oh, wow. I actually, I have family in North Carolina. I know they're two different states, but you know, at one point it was the Carolinas. (laughs) Right. And then I guess we couldn't get along. So (laughs) split. (laughs) Same thing with Virginia. Split. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. So big. Texas just split. To be honest, right, <laughs> right. I know the Dallas airport's like its own little city. Oh, is it? The first time I came and I visited Texas, I got off the plane and I was just like, "What is like? It's so stretched out. Everything is so far. Like to get a mm-hmm. rental car, you have to get in a car or a bus to travel to get the rental car." And I was like, "What?" Yes. Yeah, it threw me. I was like, wait, please don't get lost. I don't, I can't get lost. How do I do this? You feel like you're going to get lost being here, but people are so friendly yeah. here and they're just like, oh yeah, darling, go that way. And I'm like, all right, thank you. And it's, it kills me to see the people with the little cowboy hats and they come with their little belt buckles and they be walking around yes. and I'm just, that's really like in their mind, that's really what it is. Yeah. Well, I want to start right. off by an icebreaker. Um, definitely. Uh, I've been asking everybody this little question, and it's basically just tell me three things that most people wouldn't think about you or most people don't know. Oh, my gosh. That's actually a really hard question because I kind of put everything out there. Um, <laughs> three things that most people don't know about me. I do... Well, I used to, oh gosh, you stumped me from the jump. Um, actually, I think something that people don't know about me, this is getting a little really personal. Um, 
when I used to actually try and date people, when I used to try and go on dates, before I'd get ready, you know, before the date itself, I really liked to do full on self-care, you know, take a nice long bath, soak my body, then put like a good oil on my skin and then a lotion on my skin. And I took the time to like do my hair and just did it like a facial treatment and just really get ready. And then I would always buy um, a brand new outfit to wear because my grandfather used to tell me this story, oh, just repeat it on repeat, this story about the first time he saw my grandma. And after 60 years of marriage, he remembered exactly what she was wearing. And that stuck with me because I thought, I love, I just love that. I want whoever I marry to remember what I wore the first time we met. And I want it to be something nice, not like, you know, you ran into me in the Target parking lot and I was wearing sweatpants kind of thing. I want it to be like a fond, you know, she looked beautiful and my heart stopped kind of story the way that my grandfather shared about my grandmother. I thought that was really special. I think that's sweet. Right? And for men to be so sentimental, oh, so it's just so refreshing. (laughs) Um, Another, yeah. A second thing i think that people don't necessarily know about me but could be assumed is I do collect a lot of um, notebooks, just blank journals. I can't seem to get enough of having journals around the house so I can write thoughts, emotions, short stories, essays, what have you. There's more blank journals than there are written in journals in my house. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And then I think the third thing would be I really <laughs> I can't think of a third thing that people don't know no 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 not a no we're gonna get there okay I <laughs> we're gonna I I hate touching ice <laughs> I hate touching ice I don't like the texture I don't like the way it makes my skin feel I don't like like if you bring me a drink with ice in it and this is very non-california because we're very apparently anti-straws here If you bring me a drink that has ice in it, I'm like, may I please have a straw? Because I don't want it to, like, hit my teeth. (laughs) Right. Oh, wow. Okay. So you have sensitive teeth. I just, I think I'm just sensitive to ice in general. Like, my son will hit the um, ice maker and drop an ice cube for my dog. And I'm just like, girl, don't get, I'm not doing that for you because I don't want to touch the ice. (laughs) Wow. Well, I think that is real, real different. I've never heard that one (laughs) That's interesting because I'm like, I, I, like I got to dig deep. Yeah, I like ice, but I don't like ice cream sandwiches. Like I don't like to bite into it. So I will curl my lip under and bite it that way. And then I'll like suck on, on the ice cream bit and then chew the cookie part. Like I won't chew ice yeah. cream. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that because chewing ice cream just seems like a strange thing to me. Like people don't just let ice cream set in their mouths and melt. Like that's what I would do. Yes. Okay. Now I know we're soul sisters because yeah. I will not chew ice cream. <laughs> I thought yes. I was the only one. Okay. Nope. Solidarity sister. We're in it together. <laughs> yes. And the journal thing. So I can't pass up like a good like if it has a good Bible verse on the front or if mm-hmm. it's like a nice little decorative type color or if it's denim, I'm just like, oh, that's a unique journal. I got to get it. Yeah. Like I'll be in Ross, TJ Maxx, and I'll pick up a little journal. I'm like I can use this for the year or blah, blah, blah. Never write in it. 
Just never. <laughs> but but Ross and TJ Maxx are like notorious. They have such great options. And it's like, stop, they, just take all my money. <laughs> yes. And that's why like my friend used to make fun of me because I would get off work after I had a hard day. And I'd be like, I got to go to Target. I got to go to TJ Maxx. And she's like, oh, are you going to buy something? I'm like, I just have to walk around. It just feels like home yes. there. They have everything. Yes. I just like to see what they have. And I might end up buying yep. something if I need it. But I'm just like, I just need to cool off. And she's like, I don't understand that concept. <laughs> I'm here to say I completely understand that concept and I support it because there's just something about roaming those aisles where you're just, I don't know, it's like, it's aspirational, right? Like this, I, this could potentially work in my, this is really pretty. Think of all the things and thoughts and ideas I could write in this journal. <laughs> right. See, see, yep. We're soul sisters from here on out. <laughs> Well, why don't you tell like us, what was it, what was it like growing up for you? Like, were you the only child? Did you have siblings? Like, what was it like? So I've born and raised in California, lived here my whole life. I have an older brother and an older sister, but they're five and seven years older than I am. So growing up was, I, it was kind of like I was an only child, but also a youngest child. Because we were never yeah. in school at the same time together. When I was in kindergarten, they were in junior high. And so, um, well, late elementary school, but still, you know. And so it was kind of a weird setup. We're also, yeah. my, my um, I'm biracial. My dad's black. My mom's Italian. So that also created um, an interesting dynamic in our community because where we live is predominantly white. So that's, you know, you stick out like a sore thumb when you show up because people are kind of like, what are you? And you're just like, please don't ask that. Um, and so (laughs) it's been, it's been an interesting journey being here, but I also had a cousin who was three years younger than me who lived, um, 20 minutes away. So, you know, I spent my summers with her and we just spent summers on our grandparents' farm. And it was just so nice to have like removal from a city environment to go and just run and be free and play in, in the orchards and just sort of help our grandparents with whatever they needed, whether it was picking, picking the plum trees or, you know, well, grandpa didn't really let us help with the dogs. He used to breed dogs. That wasn't really a thing we were allowed to help with, but it was interesting being in California, but being in the Valley of California, but the, everyone has this perception that California is super progressive and there's just everything's, this is where you come to flee any type of oppression, but the Valley is so different. It's very, um, it's very different. And so navigating that growing up was really hard because, you know, there weren't a lot of people that looked like me and not just because I was mixed, but also the black community was really small. And we, you know, the, the connections that my grandparents made were important, but you don't realize they're important until you become an adult. And Uh then just sort of navigating, you know, you don't know it's racial prejudice until you look back and think, oh, people said that to me and that was actually bad. Right. <laughs> Which I, I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but it's kind of like we didn't have a black student union when I was in high school. So there wasn't really a whole lot of resources either to tap into to be like, you know, I know I'm not like I, I call myself ethnically ambiguous. You know, I'm not I'm not obviously a black woman, but also like people still say terrible things and I don't really know how to navigate that. Right. Um, but being so close to the coast was just yes. 
a great escape as children. We spent um, family vacations, you know, on the beach, but then also head two hours to the east and you get the mountains. We're not that far from Yosemite. So that was a family trip sometimes as well. Uh-huh. I, lo- I love California. It has my heart. <laughs> But, you know, like I said earlier, I'd rather live in my car in California than anywhere else. <laughs> Lord have mercy. But I, I mean, know. I mean, it's not true. <laughs> but it shows your love and your passion for for the for the state. I mean, you were born mm-hmm. and raised there. So, yeah, you wouldn't want to leave. I felt the same way about New Jersey. Like when we left, I was young when my mom moved from New Jersey to South Carolina to take care of my grandparents. And I would always Mm. ask my mom just about every other day, like, can we move back now? Can we go now? This was a nice trip. Can we go now? Can we get back to our house now? And she would always say, we're not going back. This is where we live now. And I'm just like, I beg to differ. Like, I don't like it here. I hate it here. Like, it was just a big culture shock moving from New Jersey to South Carolina. And it was just like, if you didn't grow up there, if your friends and family didn't know their friends and family, they knew you were not from there. And then you were kind of like an outcast. And mm-hmm. it was just, they already mm-hmm. had their own way of living and you just had to fit the mold or get out. <laughs> yes. Yes. I totally understand that. You know, growing up in, in Modesto, it was really like, my parents aren't from California, so uh-huh. they are very much coming from, you know, the state. They met in Ohio and got married, you know, here in California, but they met in Ohio. But my dad's family's from the South. And so just sometimes my folks will say and do things. And it's like, that's not how we do it in California. Right. <laughs> like, right. Stop expecting thank you cards to be sent after a birthday party. That's not a thing here, or at least not anymore. Um, and just in junior high, it became very obvious that my parents weren't from here. So you had the layer of already we're just this biracial family that is kind of standalone. And then the, my parents aren't from here. So the culture is completely like new to them yes. and trying to navigate that. And I think they did a good job. I think we all turned out mildly normal-ish, whatever that means. But, you know, we're all, we're, we're all alive and thriving. So that's what matters. Well, I know you said that we're all mildly, mildly normal. I think you're normal. I don't know what normal is. You know, I work in. That's right. Exactly. What is normal even? Yeah. (laughs) I want to ask you like, so you said like before you went to college twice and I'm like, what did Mm -hmm. you go for? So like, what was your dreams? What was your aspirations to start with? And then what did you go to school for initially? And then what made you go back again? Or what happened? Yeah. So my college, my post high school um, journey was not traditional in the sense of I went, you know, in high school, I had these big dreams. I was going to move to LA. I was going to pursue writing in whatever capacity, whether it was going to be a journalist or working in television or something. I knew I needed to be in a creative field. I was not designed to work at a desk eight to five. It's not me. And so I, did everything except take the SATs because standardized testing is not a thing that my brain can do properly. Right. So I went to the junior college after high school. I I was in journalism in high school, the editor chief, the last one of the semesters, my senior year went to our junior college 
shortly after I started the junior college, they cut the broadcast, you know, the journalism department. So it meant you could only be an English major. Fine. Uh Within a year of being at the junior college, it was like, this isn't, this feels like I'm not doing anything with my life. I'm bored. School's boring. I still live in Modesto. This is so boring. And I don't feel like I'm being challenged. Uh So I dropped out. And then after dropping out, I, a year later, I became pregnant with my son. So now I'm 20 and it's like, okay, whatever, like life's going to happen. We'll figure it out. And then I realized, oh, I'm only ever going to have really um, what's deemed a crappy job if I don't go and get a degree. Like I don't want to work a job that's not going to allow me weekends, holidays, you know, time with my, my child. Family was always and is always very important. My parents are very lucky that they met and married somebody who came from a family that valued family. So that was huge for me. I was working, I was waiting tables when I was pregnant and I realized, and I was due around Thanksgiving and I realized, oh, they're going to expect me to work Thanksgiving regardless of the fact that my due date's the day before. I don't want to go into labor at my job. That sounds awful. Um. And then about a year and a half after I had my son, it was like, I can't seem to get a decent job. I need to make a livable wage. I'm living with my parents. I love my parents. I don't want to keep living with them for the rest of my life. Uh-huh. So I went back to the junior college and and I never graduated from the junior college because they wanted me to take algebra. And that's just not a thing my brain has been trained to do. Right. <laughs> so I found a college that would let me transfer without the math. And I finished uh-huh. my undergrad. It took me seven years to finish my undergraduate degree because from uh-huh. the time I went back to the time I graduated because yeah. solo parenting, working multiple jobs, volunteering in the school, doing the field trips, you know, you spend so much of your vacation and sick time on your kid doing normal parenting things because you have to. Uh-huh. Um, and it just, it took a long time to get through my my BA. And then in 2016, I realized all the jobs I really wanted to do were like master's degree preferred. Oh, <laughs> it's like, awesome. okay, guess we're going for a master's degree. <laughs> and then I opted to do that in three years rather than two. And yeah. I really focused and hunkered down on that. And then I finished my master's degree in 2019. Well, can we just commend you? Like, ah, that deserves to be celebrated. You didn't give up. You didn't get discouraged. And if you did get discouraged, it wasn't to the point where it made you want to quit. And you stayed focused and you did the thing. Like, you were there for your child. And then you were also there for yourself. And while that's not easy because you're there for your child, you're there for yourself. Everybody needs a support system and all, as I could imagine, your parents were there to help. But um, you, no matter how long it took, no matter how many other people or friends you had that graduated before you and you saw move on Mm -hmm. and things, that did not discourage you. And I just think that that deserves to be celebrated because most people do get discouraged and they're just like, I'm not meant for this. I've already had a child. This is going to slow me down. Like I'm not, you know, I'm just going to focus on them. And that's just it. Whatever else I have to do to come from it, I'm just going to. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I just, I find something, something that makes me more like happy. Like, I don't know. It's just something inside me that get me all mustered up when I see someone like a woman 
not just a woman, but you are a black woman. Yes. <laughs> so far, accomplish her goals despite all odds and you didn't let the fact or the stereotype or anything else slow you down so yes you're you. I appreciate that yeah I really appreciate that I have to say there were semesters where it was just like I would get a d for the term there's been there were classes I did fail and I think we focus so much on the women who do 4.0s plus raise their kids. And that's that's the exception. That's not the rule. Because right. it is so hard to work two jobs, like, you know, one in the morning, one in the evening, still show up for your kid, and then figure out how to muster the energy to write an essay, to do the research, to engage in conversation with your classmates and to do all those things. And there was a point in my um, undergrad career, I was coordinating the baseball program at my son's school, which the gal who started the program was like, we're leaving the school. Somebody needs to take it over. Nobody stepped up. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll do My son loves to play baseball. Like, how can we make this happen? So I stepped up and the second year I had failed two classes because coordinating in the spring, winter, spring for baseball is a full-time job, unpaid, completely volunteer, and people are nasty to you about it. I went to the co-coordinator was like, I can't help you. I'm so sorry. I have to bow out. It breaks my heart to do this, but I failed a class, which means now I'm my graduation date is pushed back another term and I can't. I can't do that. And I'm so sorry. I can be an emotional support if you're having a hard day, but like I can no longer be the lead on this project. And that was so hard to do because there's so much involvement that you're expected to do as a parent. But getting an F, oh my gosh, that just it killed it it hit my ego. It hit my heart. Like I just felt like I was letting myself down. I ended up retaking that class and getting a much better grade. But, you know, that wasn't the first time. There was multiple times in my career where it was like my educational career where it was just like, I got a D, I got a C, I'm not giving in my all, I'm phoning it in because it was hard this week and I don't have anybody to sort of hand off these tasks to. Um, so I can do this. And so I just think that we need to we just need to do better by women who want to go to school and have ki- with kids in school it's not we don't have a system set up to support them we don't and um the 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 most common thing i hear is exactly what you just said i have nobody to delegate these tasks to so i'm stuck doing everything and my mom would say that when i was younger not in those terms exactly but she would say something similar to it and i never understood Cause I was just like, well, it's us, it's us three. It's my mom, me, my brother. And then it's my grandparents and grandma and grandpa's helping. What do you mean you don't have anybody, but grandma and grandpa can't help with everything. Right. <laughs> and so right. tasks that she was responsible for as being the head of the household. She was, she always used to say I'm mom and dad. Um, and when mm-hmm. mother's day, and Father's Day would come around, we would celebrate both because we were just like, well, she is mom and dad. And grandpa was kind of like a, a father figure to me. So he was there. Um, so yeah, I never really understood how tough it was for my mom until I got older. So yeah. I understand. 
Yeah. And that's hard when you're a parent because you don't want to let your kids down. You want to make everything easier for them and you want to make sure that they have better and more than you. And I was dealing with guilt of I'm not doing better than what my parents gave me for my kid. You know, we had a house, we had a yard, we had a dog. We did all of that quintessential storybook type of things um, as a family of five. And I couldn't do any of, I couldn't do a fraction of that for my child. And that guilt was really, really hard to cope with. And then he gave me solace one day. He acknowledged that he really, he liked the way that we were living and the way that I was raising him. And he was happy, you know, happy for it and grateful for it. And he didn't think that any other way would make a difference because he would still become who he is. And I, I can't tell you how healing that was for me because here I am living with all this guilt about like, you know, I can't, we can't go on vacation every summer. We can't, you know, you want these things and I can't pay for them. You have to figure out how to earn the money yourself to do it. And, you know, you um, don't get to have these big elaborate birthday parties like your peers who have two parents and two incomes and, you know, just little things where you're just like that sort of storybook kind of upbringing that my dad successfully achieved for his family, I, you know, that wasn't our story. And, and he didn't feel like he missed out because of it. And it just made me feel like, oh, I felt guilty. I felt guilt, guilty for nothing. <laughs> yes, you were beating yourself up and you were like, your kid was like, I'm good, mom. Like, I'm, we're good. And you're just like, yeah, no. he's happy. I mean, he gets frustrated at sometimes. Our apartment's small and it'd be nice to have more space. But at the end of the day, you know, we love where we live and, we're fortunate because we do live in a really good neighborhood, but it's in an apartment, not a house. And, you know, it's it's a good spot. We have a good spot. We have a good situation. See, I love that. I love that. Kudos to your kiddo. <laughs> Making mama He's just, I know. He's just the best. He's a senior this year. So, of course, I'm crying every day because now what does that mean for not just for me, but for him? He has to go into the real world and I'm scared. <laughs> But you have to have faith that you raised him to the utmost to be the utmost type of gentleman and go to school and make something of himself. And I'm pretty sure he's proven that and already showing that day by day. So we got to have faith that we did what we did. And now it's time for him to go out and, you know, discover who he is as a person. Kind of Yes. Yeah. Sorry about hey, my dog. No, you're fine. <laughs> She's like... She's like, there's noises outside. <laughs> She's normally very quiet. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. Well, was there like, uh, I know you mentioned like there was a period of time where you couldn't work or you didn't work, like unemployment time. I think you already went through. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, so I had moved from working in the government to working in the private sector and it turns out that wasn't a good move. Um, I ended up getting fired from a marketing position, but it wasn't really marketing. And I wish that this industry would stop calling it marketing. It I moved into a position where I did basically, um, it was an, a, a care facility for older adults who needed to, who couldn't live independently anymore, but they still like had their own apartment. But then we offered levels of care as they declined. And so basically what I was doing was, assessing them and moving them in if they fit. And after six months of being in that job, it was basically sales. So I need people to stop talking about how marketing and sales are the same thing because they're not. Because they did not care if I advertised. They did not care about any of that stuff. They cared about 
we need to be at 85% capacity every month. So that took a toll on me a little bit because it's like, well, if somebody's not in the right fit to live here, I can't, I don't want to convince them to move in. It's a lot of money. I ended up getting fired. I have never in my life been fired from a job before. We right. were hardworking. We did everything, you know, all these things. And it didn't make sense. The fi- The termination didn't make sense to me because I had just had a really good review. I had um, the CEO even like reached out and said that he had heard good things. Turns out the company was going through a lot of its own turmoil on a home office level. And so I was just a byproduct of that happening. But what it did was that it got me out of my regimented lifestyle so we could survive um, or what I thought was survival and made me realize that I, we, I wasn't healthy emotional, emotionally. And then I spent the next three years trying to find work that suited what I wanted to do with my family lifestyle, as well as the skill set that I had. And in our, in where I live, it's very limited in the job opportunities. And I didn't want to relocate because my son, my parents were very helpful in, you know, with my son. And then also, you know, our life had, our lives had been here for 12 years and I didn't want to take him out of that. And so I spent I spent the better part of three years probably submitting, I don't know, 200 applications a week for work. And then in October of 16, I was like, so I've been unemployed for three months. I think that all and then all of these jobs that I'm applying to say master's degree preferred. I think it's time to go to grad school. <laughs> I think we got to fix this. And and I spent the next three years in graduate school, but also still looking for employment. And that was really hard because a lot of people just weren't hiring or they were hiring part time or, you know, ended up not being a good fit after you have the interview. And at that point, I was 32. So I had a better idea of what I wanted to be doing with my life and professionally and limited resources here. But I never stopped that vision, right? Like I never let that vision go of like, this is what I need for us to be happy and for us to be sustainable and can keep going. And then in in 2019, I got a job again with the government. Um, Literally two weeks after I finished school, actually, I got hired and um, doing social media for a large public agency. And that's been a pretty decent fit so far because it allows me to be creative. They allow me flexibility in my hours and, you know, how I divvy up my hours depending on what's going on. And just it's been a really good it's just been a really good blessing to sort of keep us going until my son decides what his next step is because I'm not committed to living in Modesto the rest of my life. But I also didn't want to take him away from his friends, his grandparents, both sets of grandparents live here. And so we have a really good relationship with the paternal side as well. And I didn't want to take him away from that. And and I also knew that it would be even harder on me if I lost you know, the four grandparents that helped me in times of everything. Yes. Um, but he's a senior this year. So now I can kind of think, I can think bigger now. <laughs> yes. So is he thinking about um, going to college or anything, any plans he has? for? He is thinking about college. He's kind of on the fence because he's scared about the cost, which I don't, I can't blame him. The cost of 
you know, college is getting pretty high. Um, but he's looking at going to Southern California. I used to have a friend in LA. She moved because of the pandemic and we would visit her regularly. And he just fell in love with how much like just the hustle and bustle and, you know, all the opportunities that exist in LA that don't exist here. So he's thinking about going, going down to LA after high school. Which is great because it's still driving distance. (laughs) It's like six hours away or a four or like a 45 minute plane ride. (laughs) Yes. I'm like LA, that's where everybody wants to be besides New York. It's like LA is the baby New York. And then uh, Georgia's baby LA. And it's like the traffic, like traffic, traffic, traffic. That's the thing, right? I, in LA, I can, I can live with the traffic, but here I can't deal with the traffic. I'm like, where are all these people? We're not this big. Like, who are all these people driving around town right now? I just need to get to the grocery store. (laughs) I have no patience on the road. Like, I just be like, move, get out the way, get out the way. (laughs) Beeping my horn. The lights, the light's been green for 30 seconds. Let's go. (laughs) Yes, that's me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I could sit and talk to you all day. I think the audience has picked up on that. That that's my new sister now, guys. Definitely. Yes, I love it. Family. And we're definitely gonna have you come back on the show. Um, we got to. I would love that. I would love that. (laughs) But before we get off, um, I just wanna ask, do you have any advice to all the single mothers out there who um might have or might be finding themselves in the same situation where you were, they might not have anybody to help them at all. Um, but they still want to pursue their dreams and be a good mom. Like what, what type of advice would you give them? Uh, first I'm going to lead with sister, you got this, you can do it. There are days that it's going to feel like you can't, but I'm going to tell you, you can, because once you get through it, it's going to be so much better. That's that's the first thing. The second thing, I think what really saved me was having open conversations with my son. Today was a hard day and here's why. I'm going back to school because tell, in just engaging in conversation with him, bringing him into the fold about the difficult not not fully cuz he's, you know, a kid and it's not his responsibility to bear my burden. But if I've had a hard day and I've snapped at him, I come back and I say, "Listen, that wasn't about you. It was about me. And here's why. Because I think that if he understands that it's a lot of work to be a manager of a household, then I've done my job. And he can come at it with a little bit of a better understanding as well. The other thing is we had very specific routines that were not always easy to maintain. And I had to give myself grace. So I allowed us Today is a day we are not doing the routine. Today is the day that the expectations are gone and let's figure out what we want to do today to feel good about ourselves. Realistically, please don't ask me to take you to Disneyland because that's expensive. (laughs) But like, do you want to watch movies all day? Cool. The restrictions on what kind of snacks we're going to have is going to go out the window. Let's go to the dollar store and pick out all the candy snacks that you can think of, which, you know, at the end of the day is terrible when they're coming down from the sugar high. But I noticed that sort of relieving that little bit of pressure for him also really helped relieve pressure for me. Right. Right. 
That's beautiful. I think a lot of people, um, when they think about motherhood, they like perfection. Like I have to have everything in order. They have to be on the time schedule, organic food, juicing, you know, that type thing, or I'm not a good mom. But I mean, just when you said like, give give yourself and your child time to breathe. We're just going to do whatever today. There is no routine. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, I think that takes the pressure off of everything to hear somebody else who's already been through it say that. But also like the encouraging words you led with, that that was beautiful. Because I'm pretty sure uh, it's many days where people are just like, I cannot do this. <laughs> Absolutely not. I cannot, not yeah. today. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if somebody saves this and play it back later for them. Yeah. I had to say it to myself. I didn't have anybody telling me, you got this. You can do it. I believe in you. Like, I had to say it to myself, which is fine. But after a while, you're just like, I need somebody else to say that I'm not failing. <laughs> right. Please, does anybody else see that we're going to We're going to survive. Yes, we're going to survive. Give me hope that we're going to make it out of here alive. Yeah. Well, where can where can my audience find you? Like, how can they get in touch with you? What's your social media websites? Like, what's all the things? My, I'm on Instagram the most. You can find me there the most. I love Instagram. I will talk to anybody on Instagram. I am the Julia Washington on Instagram and I post a lot about book reviews. I do talk a lot about single parent, solo parenting, um, TV reviews. I'm just like completely candid and honest on there. So there are days where (laughs) it's just like I rolled out of bed and we're talking because I'm emotional today. (laughs) Yeah. Here's what we're talking about today. I'm sad. Yeah. Or just, you know, encouraging stuff too. But Instagram is the best place to connect with me. And I'm always here to be somebody else's cheerleader because we have to support each other emotionally if we're going to get through the days, the hard days. We do. And that's so important. Mental health. I mean, I do psychiatry, but there's a lot of people that don't have that either. And I know I didn't have that Mm -hmm. either. So thank you for being a cheerleader for the people who don't have cheerleaders. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Well, I truly enjoyed our interview today. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you again for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I'd anytime I would love to connect again. We had such great conversation even before we started recording. <laughs> we did. So we have to keep in touch via email, you know, FaceTime, hit each other up every now and then, make sure yes. we're all the things. <laughs> All of it, all of it, all of it. And when you need a cheerleader, I got you. (laughs) And I got you too, sis. I got you too. Yay. Guys, thank you for tuning in this week. I will see you next week on our next show of God, Coffee, and Resilience. Bye, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of God Coffee and Resilience. You can also follow us on Instagram at God Coffee and Resilience Podcast. You can also follow the host, Reese, at The Resilient PA. And you can also check out our website at TheResilientPA.com. Take care, guys.